Welcome to Get Messy, a Melbourne Emergency Student Society podcast covering all the crit care content that med school wants you to know, and then some. All the information is put together by medical students for medical students and should not be taken as medical advice. If you guys enjoy this podcast, please make sure to check out our Instagram, Facebook and website, which can be found in the description. Hey guys, I'm Maddie and welcome back to Get Messy. Today I'm here with my friends Alex and Ben. And today we're going to be continuing on with our approach to Met Call series and we're going to be talking through bradycardia. So let's just imagine a scenario. You're an intern and you get paged to go see one of your patients for a Met Call for bradycardia. Um, so what are the sort of urgent situations or urgent causes that we need to be thinking about right away? Oh, so I guess the urgent ones you're always going to worry about will be the heart. So something going wrong with the heart. Namely, I think ischemic heart disease. Definitely. I think heart failures, like acute heart failures. Um, and I think arrhythmias as well. So some of those can be really dangerous. I guess the other things to think about as well would be hypoxia. Um, particularly in the context of something like opiates where you've got that respiratory failure um or if pain is involved so they're not being able to breathe up properly from like rib fractures or abdominal surgery and the one that i don't know why but bradycardia always comes to mind in that cushing's triad that i think about so the irregular respirations bradycardia and hypertension um so increased intracranial pressure um and then finally electrolyte derangement so the hyperkalemia and hypocalcemia that being said, I don't know much else about hypocalcemia. So they would be the ones that I would urgently think about being electrolytes, brain, low oxygen, and the heart. Definitely, definitely. Um, I think some other really common causes that we're going to see is just the iatrogenic. So like too much beta blockers, I think, is something that is mm, I've definitely mm, seen multiple mm, times mm, on the wards. Other drugs... Uh, like psychoactive drugs um, and also a post-op patient who's had muscle relaxants or propofol mm-hmm. or opiates. Then we also think through like metabolic situations, so a hypothyroidism or a hypothermia, which especially in Jerry's can actually happen. I have seen mm-hmm. it a few times. And peds. Yeah, yeah, the temperature definitely. Regulation, yeah. And then other causes like infection. I've heard Legionella, like as a cause of pneumonia, is a predisposer for both slow respirate and bradycardia. Wow. Um, I don't know why. Mm. A bit random, yeah. And also infective endocarditis, which I also don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can also just be a vasovagal response. I think in a super rare case, you could worry about neurogenic shock, which would mostly be a post-op patient. I don't know how likely it is that um, mm. you'd be encountering that, particularly as an intern. But mm. yeah. I was just on um, spinal rehab for my aged care rotation, and there was a couple of patients who had autonomic dysreflexia as a oh. result of their spinal injury. Yeah. But yeah, their heart rate could be like in like the teens. And then you'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then they just like pick up again and then be in like 120s. And you're like, what's happening? And it was like almost sick sinus, but it was just like dysreflexia. Yeah. It was so wild. Oh, that's, wow, really that's really scary. Yeah. 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 Really wild. Yeah. I suppose that would be quite specific to a spinal unit. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty. So you get the page. Um, what do we think is our approach? What are we first going to do? I reckon we have some pretty serious causes on that list. So we want to be thinking about sort of our 
um, A to E approach, doing the primary survey and making sure everything's okay. I guess um, we're thinking about, you know, breathing with hypoxia, see with those cardiac causes, you know, what's their blood pressure doing, trying to distinguish a cardiac cause from maybe, you know, the Cushing's triad and that mm. kind of thing. Um, and then as we're thinking about our initial management, we might want to call a met call or, you know, getting other teams involved, um, but also think about just the vitals. And so taking temperature, do they have an infection? Um, looking at that O2 sats, and then we want to pop on an ECG and get some more information about um, what the rate is doing, what the rhythm is like, and that can sort of help us think of the further management. Mm -hmm. So if it's a STEMI or got like a more ischemic picture, then um, we need to go down that pathway. Um, mm -hmm. But if it's sort of a, a bradyarrhythmia or a Mobitz 2 or a third degree block, then we need to think about pacemaker. So there is some mm -hmm. information that ECG can tell us about sort of I guess, specific cardiac issues. Mm. And then finally, um, taking a bit of history and examination. I guess you'd sort of be doing that concurrently, like collecting mm. all that information. And because um, you're probably going to have to hand this over as an intern to someone who's a little bit more senior. So just getting all that you know, past medical history would be really important here, what drugs they're on, that kind of thing to mm. hand over effectively. Yeah. I think one thing as well with it, just the really initial approach to it is just getting a bit of handover from who paged you like to this patient you know like, what's the context who is this patient if you don't know them what's their background what are they in hospital for have they had an operation recently have they been deteriorating or have they had like a sudden deterioration that would suggest different kind of pathologies just mm -hmm. getting a little bit of that background before you dive into more in-depth medical history yeah definitely yeah actually one of the tips that we learned in a practical skills like md4 shoot to prepare for internship is that when you get a page like this the best thing to do is that as you're walking there give the nurses a call and you can sort of ask for the other vitals over the phone and even ask them to start an ECG if they haven't. A lot of nurses will do that automatically, but mm. you can also get that going in advance. So by the time you get there, you're organised. Um, and I think that brings us on to like just that history examination part of your approach. Um, and I think the easiest way to think about this is firstly think about your know, signs of like an unstable bradycardia that's an emergency and then you're stable. Um, so what would be the sort of things on history and examination that we'd be looking for in an unstable situation? So I guess the main things you'd think about with a low heart rate would be, is this person pumping enough blood out to maintain systemic perfusion? So is there signs of shock that we're seeing? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, are they cool and like poorly perfused perifer peripherally? Do they have that poor cap refill? Is their blood pressure low? Um, but then you need to, you might be able to find some signs of certain pathologies that could be causing it as well. So do they have chest pain, like central crushing chest pain currently that's radiating to the jaw or yeah. do they have a more subtle presentation of ACS? Like, um, are they in acute heart failure? Are they tripoding, breathing really, really hard? And you know, all these kind of classic signs that we think of for heart failure. Um, and again, just in keeping with Cushing's triad, do they have an altered conscious state and are they starting to show signs of neurological deterioration? Definitely. Um, and I think like just following on from that, like cardiac that think about management next and you'd want to be getting IV access sorted so you could follow that like advanced cardiac life support, which would start with atropine, but you'd probably be getting someone more senior. Mm. Um, and so I guess once you've ruled out all of those really serious things, 
what sort of things are we going to be asking in a stable situation? I guess this is more more reassuring. You're coming in the patient sort of, you know, talking to you, they're completely fine. Like you might not be finding many signs. They sort of have an incidental bradycardia. Uh, and then I guess it's sort of about getting more information. So like you were saying before, Alex, so opening the medication chart, looking at the vitals, are there recent trends? Um, you know, is this a sick sinus, are they tacky and then brady? Like do they have a brady every time they get their medication? Those sorts of things. Um, yeah, looking at recent changes in medications, um, opiates, any other psychoactive medications that are on board, and just thinking a little bit more outside the box, like are they eating and drinking normally, um, would be really important. And maybe putting in some orders. So checking the electrolytes and you know having a look at some results from the last few days. So just trying to collect some information so you can sort of um, put a little bit of a picture together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how would you manage a patient like that, Maddie? So I think you'd probably want to be looking at is that that underlying cause and just review it. Like, do we need to just withhold the the beta blockers? Is it something simple like that? Um, if it's sort of an ongoing issue and no causes identified, you'd probably need to be looking at doing some referrals and further investigations, like considering an echo, or like prolonged monitoring, like a halter monitor or a cardiology referral. Um, and I think that's about it. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add? No, not in particular. I think that's a pretty good solid approach. You know, with these, with this Matt call series, I think we're just trying to stay superficial and give you the approach. You know, we could teach you all about the individual pathologies that cause it and how to treat all of them, but ultimately just being able to identify and call for help in those circumstances is probably going to be most beneficial. So I think categorizing that into stable bradycardia and unstable bradycardia and what to do as initial steps in each circumstances is probably all you're going to need to do to be safe and pass things over definitely i kind of like how the serious causes are sort of like brain heart lungs yeah and it's like you worry about that if everything's okay well we just get more information yeah Mm. it seemed quite complex at the beginning but if you just think about that way it seems pretty straightforward yeah definitely also like something you can remember in a bit of a panic you'd be like okay what parts of the body (laughs) (laughs) anyways guys uh thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time see you then see you guys